You're listening to the New Hope Church Podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in. Today's talk comes from Zach Killian. Yes, can be seated. Uh, I want to say thanks for being here. Thank you for uh, anybody at home tuning in with us right now. Uh, my name is Zach. I'm a worship leader here at New Hope Church. And uh, I want to start out by talking about something I think we each need to remember every single day when we wake up. And uh, it's not the first thing we need to remember. The first thing we need to remember when we wake up in the morning is the gospel. Uh, if you don't know the gospel, if you're not familiar with it, it's this. It's that uh, Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he is God. And we as humans, we broke our relationship with God because we sin, because we're sinners. And so we deserve death because that's the punishment for sin. And so we deserve that death, but God himself in the man of Jesus Christ stepped into our time, into our history lived a perfect life that none of us could live and died the death we deserved and he raised from the grave three days later so that if we put our faith in him if we believe in him as our lord and savior that we can be raised to life with jesus not just in eternity not just in everlasting life but that we can actually know how to live a fulfilled purposeful life here on earth in god's kingdom on earth that's the gospel that's the first thing you should remember. But the second thing you should remember is that the devil's a liar. He is a liar and he is your enemy and he speaks in half-truths. And what I mean by that is the best lies have just a little bit of truth in them. Maybe they have a whole lot of truth, but that's what makes them good lies, right? They're believable because they're partially accurate. And he tells us lies like this all the time. And when I think about the Bible, I think about three particular lies, three particular half-truths told. And it's actually when Jesus is baptized. He receives the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit sends Jesus out into the uh, wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And uh, when he goes out into the desert, he goes out to fast and to pray to God. And so when he gets out there, the devil sees him. He sees he's hungry. And the enemy says, well, you're the son of God. If you're hungry, why don't you take these stones and turn them into bread? Just eat them. And Jesus said, we're not to live by bread alone. Man is to live by every word from the mouth of God. Satan says, that's right. That's right. Well, come up here. He takes him up to the top of the temple. And he says, well, if you're the son of God, why don't you just prove it? Just prove it to everybody and jump. Because we know the scriptures say that, that God will send angels and they'll, they'll carry you. you. Your foot will never strike a rock. You're going to be fine. And Jesus says, we're not to test the Lord our God. Satan says, oh, oh yeah, that's right. Well, do you see all these kingdoms, all these kingdoms of the earth? If you just bow down before me and you worship me, they're yours. I'll give them to you. And Jesus says, you get away from me, Satan. He says, we are told in the scripture to worship the Lord our God and he alone. Do you see what happens there? Satan 
tells three almost true statements. He, he knows that Jesus is the Son of God, and yes, Jesus could turn those rocks into bread if he wanted. He has the power of God, right? He knows that if Jesus jumped from the top of the temple, that Jesus would be caught by angels, that he would be okay, that he'd never strike the ground. And it does sort of seem like Satan might have the power to give somebody all the kingdoms of this earth because he's that little G God of this earth, right? But the thing about that is, is Jesus saw the lie in what Satan was telling him. He, he saw the parts that weren't true because Jesus knew the scriptures. Jesus knew the truth in the word of God. And so when Satan came with the lie, Jesus replied with the truth. And the reason I'm telling you this is because it's important that we know the truth. So when we face the half-truths in our life, we know how to respond to it. That we can put the truth back in the face of the devil and say, no, that's not what this is. Here's what the Bible says. We live in a world that is feeding us all sorts of half-truths. One of those half-truths is family. And before you get all up in arms because I'm talking about family, hear me out. Um, I wanted to know what the world would define family as. So I did what anybody would do and I Googled it. Um, And what I got was basically this. Uh, There was kind of this overarching theme of, well, family are people you're related to. Okay, cool. Um, And then it kind of went into specifics. Well, it's, uh, it's a couple and their children, right? Or it is, you know, one parent and their children, or maybe it's just the couple, or maybe it's just the children. When you kind of pair that with, well, it's anybody you're related to, well, then we can throw in aunts, uncles, cousins, nieces, nephews, grandma, grandpa. That's family, right? I mean, I think by like all of our standards, that that fits. And it's good, but it's a little thin. It's not the whole truth. And so we need to know what the Bible says about family. What does Jesus say about family? And so in the, uh, in the passage we heard a little earlier, uh, Luke 8, 19 through 21, it says, Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, Your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. And he replied, My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. See, the people around are looking and they say, Oh, that's Jesus' family. And Jesus looks over and says, Well, yeah, that's my family. That's my mom, and that's, that's my brothers, my sisters. But that's not all of my family. This is my family. You people that I'm talking to that love God, you people that I'm healing, that I'm teaching, this is my family too. And so I'm, I'm taking my time with you right now. I'm making family time. They can come too. They're part of the family. But this is the family. He sees it as something bigger, right? It's not just this finite little tribe of like my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister. It's bigger. It's those who love God and obey his word. We can go on and we can look at Romans 8, 14 through 16. This is Paul speaking. He says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We are children of God. We're a family under God. 
because we have the Holy Spirit. Well, how do you get the Holy Spirit? That's the gospel. When you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that he is God and what he did, you receive the Holy Spirit. And at that moment, you are in the family of God. Pair that with what Jesus said. It's about the people who love God, the people who obey God. That's my family. See, the funny thing about what I'm hearing between Jesus and Paul has nothing to do with blood relation. It has, has nothing to do with moms and dads or brothers, sisters, children. It has nothing to do with husbands or wives. It's a spiritual thing. Family are the people of God. It's not just your blood relation. And uh, speaking of husbands and wives, I think that brings us to the next big point. Single people. Where do single people fit into the kingdom of God? Um, We live in a culture that absolutely idolizes family. Um, Our culture has sort of made a God out of family. Everything in our world revolves around the idea of being married or having kids. And we get it pushed on us from every direction all the time. And it's even within the church. I mean, we, like, we really do believe this at some level. I mean, think about it. Uh, watch TV, okay? You guys familiar with Friends? Yeah? Ross, Rachel, come on, we know it. Uh, first episode, you see Ross, you see Rachel, you're like, oh, okay, so they're going to get together. And then the rest of them, 25 seasons or whatever, is them getting together, breaking up, getting together, breaking up, and us going, well, they got to end up together, right? Right? Okay? We get to New Girl. We got Jess. We got Nick. Okay? Same exact thing. Episode one, you're like, okay, Jess and Nick, they're clearly supposed to get together. They spend the rest of the show getting together, breaking up, getting together, breaking up, and we're like, well, clearly, they have to end up together. By the way, not sure if you guys are aware of this, they're the exact same show, but when we watch... Uh, romantic comedies. Think about any romantic comedy you've ever watched. Have you ever gotten to the end and the couple didn't get together? I can't think of one. But if there is one, I bet you didn't like it. I bet you thought it wasn't a good movie. I bet it wasn't an accurate ending for how they were supposed to get together. I don't know what happened, right? Uh, It's not just movies. It's not just uh, the media. It's uh, what about advertisements? What about advertisements? I work in a barbershop, and so I listen to the same radio station every single day. And all I hear is engagement ring commercial, engagement ring commercial, engagement ring commercial, engagement ring commercial. At which point, I'm pretty sure my girlfriend may be paying the radio station (laughs) to get that point across. I don't know. I'm just kidding. Hi. And uh, and it's, uh, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, it, it's everywhere. It's not just that. Like, think about family. Uh, last family get to, not, not last family get together you've been to, but family get togethers in general. Genuinely, show of hands, and I want to see it. In your lifetime, please raise your hand if somebody in your family or one of your friends at any point has said, are you seeing anybody? Are you, are you, uh, 
Have you found that person yet? Or maybe you're dating. When are you guys getting married? You've been dating for a little while. When's that coming? When are you, when are you going to buy the ring? Or, oh, you guys have been married a little while. Uh, when, when are we having those kids? When are we getting those grandkids? You know, or, or when, you know, whatever it be. Anybody? Anybody? Just me? Okay, well, here's the deal. What happens when you say no? When you say, no, I, I'm not seeing anybody right now, and I've been there, you get the stock answer. You get plenty of fish in the sea. They're out there. You just keep waiting. You're going to find that right person. God's got somebody picked out for you. I just know it. Well, here's the deal. Maybe. Maybe he does. Or maybe he doesn't. Maybe there is nobody for some people. Maybe they're not going to be with anybody. And you know what? That's okay. In fact, it's not just okay, it's good. It's good, and that's what the Bible tells us. You see, the part that's so weird to me is we idolize families. We idolize, or sorry, like the nuclear family, right? Husband, wife, kids. That's family when we think about it, right? We idolize that, and we think that other people need that, right? But why do we do that in the church when Two of the most prolific, one of the most important people, being the most important person, Jesus Christ, the other being Paul, were single. They weren't married. They never married. Jesus talks about the fact that there are some people that are born eunuchs. There are some people that are made eunuchs. And there are some people that choose to be eunuchs. Well, I can't help but think that third class, that choose to be eunuchs, are the people that determine, I'm not going to get married. Now, I, I am speculating there. That's, that's not fully hashed out. But I do think that gets covered elsewhere in Scripture. I think Paul talks about it. Um, when we look at 1 Corinthians 7, we see Paul talking about single people, unmarried people. And what Paul has to say to that is, good. It's good for you to be single. He said, I'm single. That's great. He says, but I'll, I'll tell you what, if, if you're burning with lust, if you're burning with passion, then maybe, maybe marriage should be for you. Maybe you should pursue that. But for the rest of us, it's good. And here's what he says. It's 1 Corinthians 7, 32, 35. He says, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs. How can he please the Lord? But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world. How can he please his wife? And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world. How can she please her husband? I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Let me be clear. Paul is not saying marriage is bad. He, in fact, he states that it's not bad. He says marriage is good. Marriage is great. If you've been called to marriage, if that's what you're doing, great, do it. But I'm trying, he's trying to tell us that it's hard. It's hard to try and balance this life between this little tribal family you make and God, devoting your life fully to God. 
because things get mixed up in, in the middle, time gets taken away. It's hard, and Paul sees that, and he's trying to tell you, for those of you who are single, for those of you who are not going to get married, don't feel lost. Don't feel bad. Like that's, that's good. You can give everything you've got to Christ. Here's the thing. We look at single people like they're broken toys. We look at them and think, you're incomplete. We think like, oh, you must, you must be so alone. You must be so unfulfilled because you haven't found that significant other. You haven't found that other person. And let me tell you, that's just not true. It's not biblically true. In fact, if you feel that way when you look at people that don't have somebody, if you feel like they do need somebody, that they're just so alone, that's not God telling you to tell them that they're going to find the right person. That's God telling you to be their family. Be there for your brother or your sister in Christ. Be there for them. Because if family isn't about blood relation, it's just about those who love God, then everybody in the family of God should be taken care of. Not everyone is called to be married. But nobody is called to be alone. We are not called to be alone, and we are called to step up and be there for the people who we may fear are being alone. We, as God's hands and feet on this earth, are to be that. I, uh, I'm going to do something in Dave Ward fashion, which I never thought would happen. <laughs> uh, I'm not... I'm not like a, a pick quotes from movies kind of guy, but here we go. Uh, I was thinking about the movie Lilo and Stitch yesterday. I grew up on this movie. Little backstory: Lilo, or sorry, Stitch is an alien, if you can't tell, um, and Lilo's a little Hawaiian girl. And Stitch is like, he's like a weapon of war or something. He's like crazy, but he crash lands on Earth. He gets taken in by this little Hawaiian girl and her sister. And Lilo and her sister kind of have this little catchphrase that they always rattle off of each other, especially like when they get into fights. And they, they do kind of have that sisterly fight in them. And so whenever they argue afterwards, they'll always say, what does ohana mean? And the other will say, ohana means family. And family means no one gets left behind. Now, surprisingly enough, I think Disney nailed it. But I would change it. Just a little bit. I would rewrite it as those who love God are our family. And family doesn't get left behind. When we really pair up what the Bible says about what family is, it's really saying, look, if you love God and I love God, we're family. It doesn't matter if we're blood. It doesn't matter if, if we've known each other for a little while or, or no time at all. We're brothers and sisters, and we have the same father. It's about being there for our family. And that's really hard sometimes because we can get really sidetracked with our own little tribes. It's not your fault if you're in that position. And it's not necessarily bad either. 
It's good to be there for your family, for your immediate family. What's not good is when we forget what the world is trying to do, what the devil is trying to do, that he's trying to take your focus and put it so much on your house that you forget about your brothers and sisters. See, we, we can be part of something bigger. We're called to it. We're part of it whether we realize it or not. And that's what this whole series really boils down to is we're made in the image of God. And God is a God of community. And he has placed you in a family. And it is a huge family. You have brothers and sisters from all over this world. You have them down the street in, 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 in Mount Pleasant, GCC, CCG, all the CCGGGCCs, all that, whatever. They're everywhere. Okay, And they're across seas, every tribe, tongue, nation, color. It doesn't matter. Size, shape, whatever. We have brothers and sisters everywhere. And they, in Jesus' eyes, were just as important as Jesus' blood relatives. And Jesus is calling us to a life where we remember that those people are just as much family as our immediate family. Don't let the devil sidetrack you. He's been trying to split this family since the beginning. We look at Adam and Eve in the garden, and they were in perfect unity with God. They were in this relationship where they literally would take walks in the garden with God. And the devil eased his way in, and he convinced Adam and Eve that they wanted to be something that they weren't. That there was another truth out there. And so they pursued that truth and that was like the first divorce. That was the first split. We, our family with God was separated. And so Adam and Eve had some kids. They had Cain and Abel. And then Abel and Cain go out into the field one day. Cain gets mad at Abel. And he murders him in cold blood in the field. And so he's cursed and he's set off. And he has his own group of people then. He has his own, his own tribe and so the family's divided that much further. And we just see this bubbling and bubbling. And it's like more and more and more division. Until finally, God has to hit reset because it gets so bad. And he starts over with another family. And it all happens again. Because that's what we do when we let the devil in. That's what we do when we forget who we are in Christ. Who we are in our God. And so we have to keep the family together. We have to be there for the family. Um, my dad died a month and a half ago. And I miss him a lot. And um, I love him. And I know I'll see him again one day. But he's gone right now. And that sucks. And... Um, it's funny, though, because it's okay. And the reason it's okay is because God revealed to me that what I lost in my dad, in an earthly father, that he has provided for me with brothers and sisters in Christ, with fathers and mothers in Christ. These are just a handful of the cards I was given. These came from you guys. Like, that's family. Like, I don't even, I, guys, there are some of us in this room that we haven't talked a whole lot that I still got cards from. 
that I still got pulled to the side, that I still got taken out to lunch or, or, or we went out for drinks and just talked and, you know, how are you doing? How are you getting through this? And it's, it's really sad that it took uh, the death of a parent to remind me that I lack nothing in family, that we lack nothing in family because God has provided that for us. And so it doesn't matter if you're single or if you're married or you have kids or if you've lost your family. It doesn't matter. God has provided for you. And I want you to remember that. And I want you to invest and I want to invest in my family in ways that I just haven't. I want to pray. Jason and... Uh, Brady, you're going to come back up here and we're going to sing a song, but let's just bow our heads and go to the Lord. Father, I want to thank you for this family that you've provided us, that you are our Father, and that there is no other Father like you, that we lack nothing in Christ. And the devil wants to sidetrack us and he wants to take our attention and and he just, he just wants to keep us busy because he knows how dangerous we are when we recognize our true identity. But our identity is in you and we love you and we thank you for this and we just pray that your Holy Spirit will constantly remind us of this truth, that we can lean into being brothers and sisters in Christ and that we can balance that with our lives, with, with what happens in our own households. We can do it. We just need you. We just need to stay aware of the enemy. But above all, we just need your help. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name, Lord. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.